Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the essential role design plays in our everyday lives. And how, if harnessed correctly, has the power to positively transform the way that we live, design better businesses and sustainable solutions for the planet. We speak to creative entrepreneurs around the world about how they inspire their ideas to life and how they make it all work and the role design plays in their lives. I'm your host, founder of Frost Collective and author of Design Your Life, Vince Frost. At Frost Collective, we are dedicated to designing a better world. Our specialist teams work across branding, strategy, place visioning and wayfinding solving problems with empathy and creativity to design experiences that benefit people, business, and the planet. And as a proud certified B Corp, we meet the highest environmental and social standards by balancing profit with our purpose to design a better world. To find out more, head to frostcollective.com.au. Welcome to the third episode of our Designing for Impact series in collaboration with DNAD. Today, I chat with Vic Bath, Creative Director at Zulu Alpha Kilo, the team behind the multi-pencil winning project at this year's DNAD Impact Awards, Tough Turban. Tune in as we talk about how the project, in collaboration with Harley-Davidson, came about, and what is a Tough Turban, and how the project is making motorcycling more accessible to the North American Sikh community. This is our Designing Impact series in collaboration with DNAD. And you and your team have just won three pencils at this year's DNAD Awards, which is absolutely brilliant. Well done. Um, yeah, thank you. Tough Turbans is genius. And uh, this, we really want to kind of dedicate this podcast to learning a bit more about it and how it came about, etc. Great. Yeah. Uh, happy to talk about it. How long were you in this development for and how did it, how did it kind of start? Uh, yeah, the, the process has been several months. We've had the idea for a while. Obviously, COVID affected a lot of that. But it has been like several months of developing and redeveloping and prototyping. Um, so yeah, really the idea, you know, I work at Zulu Alpha Kilo, and we're one of the top uh, independent agencies out there. Um, and one of our clients is uh, Faf Harley-Davidson, which is the largest Harley dealership in Canada. Um, and it really came from the fact that they wanted to appeal to a more diverse group. Uh, you know, as I was mentioning before, I live in Toronto, which is one of the most diverse cities uh, mm-hmm. in the world. And, you know, many cultures live with, uh, are living together in Toronto, um, mm-hmm. which is great to see. But, you know, Harley does have a perception of a certain type of rider. And I think they wanted to expand what that really was. Uh, do you ride bikes? I personally do not know. My uh, my dad does. My dad's a huge Harley fan, so uh, part of the inspiration actually came from him. So oh. he grew up in a small village in India. Um, like when you think of village, it's like a real village. Um, and he <laughs> always he always dreamed of uh, owning a Harley because um, to him it was like the ultimate expression of freedom. And when he finally came to Canada, uh, after many years of hard work, he finally was able to buy our Harley Davidson. And one of the things that really struck me was, if it's this important to him, um, and if these means this much culturally to him, it surely must mean this much culturally to other people of yeah. Sikh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's interesting because, I mean, I, 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 as I said, I grew up in Vancouver and my dad was always big on motorcycles. In fact, he named me after a Vincent uh, <laughs> motorcycle. Um, I'm not Italian, uh, but I got named after a motorbike, which is kind of funny. So I have to explain, explain my whole life that I'm not Italian and that uh, the origin of my name. But, um, yeah, I was, when I was a kid, my dad used to buy me motor, like mini, mini bikes um, in Canada. And he said to me, I'll buy you motorcycles only if you promise me that you'll never ride in on the road. It's far too dangerous, you know, in your life, you know. And I, get, right. I got to like 50 and I'm going, hang on a minute. I'm missing out on something here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I guess it's a bit like um, a bit what you said in terms of, you know, different cultures who aren't able to um, to ride motorcycles because of their, you know, whatever uh, reasons or religious reasons, etc. So h- how did it kind of, how did this kind of idea of tough turban, I know what you're saying in terms of kind of the cultural appropriateness of it or, or need, but why that specific? Like who, who initiated this idea in the first place? Did Harley yeah, Davidson come to you say, um, hey, we need to kind of find an alternative helmet for, you know, um, the Sikh community? No, no. I think for us, the brief to us was really like, how do we appeal to um, a wider demographic, a more diverse demographic, knowing the city we lived in? And the inspiration, the spark of inspiration really came from uh, in Canada, we have helmet laws that were changed in what we have as provinces across Canada uh, that allowed Sikh riders exemption from wearing helmets. Um, Uh And for those that don't actually know, like, Sikhs who uh, wear turbans, you know, they go into battle, they serve in the military while wearing yeah. the turbans. Um, so they thought, well, you know, for an example of inclusion, um, if they're doing that with while wearing turbans, they surely can wear, uh, wear a turban and ride a motorcycle. So at Zulu, like, we believe that creativity and design can make the world better. It's one of the cornerstones of how Zulu works. So we saw a solution based around design rather than um, you know, we're a referral service ad agency rather than just creating a, a piece of content that um, really just focused on diverse people. We created something for diverse people, and that was really a thought behind it. Being Sikh myself, I brought uh, some of this with me, you know, knowing about these law changes and knowing, um, you know, my personal story with my dad and how much motorcycles meant to him. I thought this is a great opportunity to appeal to um, this really underrepresented cultural. Uh, base. Yeah, I mean, for for the listeners, just explain what is the tough turban. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great point. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, essentially, what we did was we created a turban that has the latest of motorcycle protective gear uh, embedded within the turban, so interwoven into the turban, uh, allowing riders who are Sikh who wear turbans and not helmets. Uh, just an added layer of protection. So we use the latest of protective gear that's available for motorcycle riders uh, and we really interweave that into a traditional turban. They're a unique thing and they're, for those that don't know, they're really um, part of a, not only a cultural identity but a person's identity. So they're wrapped in different ways and they're wrapped towards fashion, they're wrapped towards different um, regions that a person may be from. There's a lot of different reasons for how a turban can work. Um, and that was one of the big things for us was that we didn't want to make a helmet that kind of looked like a turban. We wanted to function just like a turban. Uh, turbans themselves are, are very long. They're several feet in length and they're just kind of repeatedly wrapped in different ways around the head. And a big thing for us was making sure that, you know, it worked 
and function just like a regular turbine would. So that was, that's the part that was really tricky for us and making sure that we had somebody you know, of that culture um, with us every step of the way, just kind of consulting with us and making sure that you know, we're testing this and we're riding with this uh, and that it did function like a regular turbine. And what, I guess it must have been a huge amount of testing in terms of comfort, in terms of um, safety aspects, et cetera. Uh, and weather and all that, uh, weatherproofing it. I mean, what, what material is it? Is are they made from? Uh, it's made from several materials. So uh, a lot of turbines are made from um, cotton. So that was the uh, the big base for us. Is like okay, well, cotton is is the traditional thing. And then we included a, a few interesting things. So part of the inspiration for me was uh, discovering there's this thing called Dyneema, which works kind of like Kevlar. Um, oh, yeah. It's like military grade bulletproof. Uh, material that's, I think it would become uh, like four or five times the strength of steel once it's interwoven. Uh, but it's very lightweight, which is what separates it from Kevlar. And it's a pretty new material. Um, mm. But again, they do use it in military grade stuff. So uh, it was discovering that which could, you know, uh, take away from uh, abrasions and uh, interweaving uh, a thing called 3DO, which is non Newtonian foam, which sounds pretty fancy. Uh, and it kind of is. It's essentially foam that hardens on impact. So it's pretty flexible, it's pretty loose, but the second something hits it, it hardens. Wow. And then we interwove, uh, just through our conversations with members of the Sikh uh, motorcycle community, uh, we discovered that back in the day, um, turbans usually, uh, certain turbans and certain warriors who went off into battle actually had um, chainmail underneath their turbans. And we took inspiration from that and created 3D printed chainmail that was actually, again, interwoven into the turbine. And are, are they heavy? I mean, I guess weight would make a make it, you know, I guess a helmet is relatively heavy as well. But is it on par with the weight of a helmet? It's much lighter. Yeah, it's much lighter is because it? because it's uh, what we did was we didn't want to put all the weight in it at one point. So the fact that it is several feet long we could disperse the weight. So every time you wrap it, it's another added layer of protection. And you said before, it was like bulletproof material, this chain mail, that's incredible as well, isn't it? So that's just uh, 3D printed. So the Dyneema is the, is the bulletproof material. And then uh, the chain mail was an added level of protection. And that, yeah, we 3D printed that ourselves and uh, kind of figured out a way to make that so it's not too cumbersome or too rigid as one would put it around their head. And how did you then test it? How did you test that this was um, enhanced the safety? I mean, I guess if there's no, there's no law because you can just wear a straight turban, can you, in Canada? That's, that's 100% right, yeah. You, could, you don't need to wear a helmet. You can just wear a regular turban. So any level of uh, added protection is, is great. Uh, all the elements, like the, the Dyneema has been tested. Um, it's often used in, uh, materials, as I mentioned before, but as well as the non-Newtonian foam or 3DO, which has been uh, pretty regularly tested. So yeah. the elements within the turbine uh, were, were well um, tested. Mm. And then tested, in, and is, has, is there kind of a government kind of um, like mandatory, do they comply to kind of the standards or is that yet something to be worked on? Yeah, it kind of changes from region to region. So again, there's the, the fact that we have helmet exemption, there's really no 
um, standard beyond that because we they can just ride with their turbines. Um, the big thing for us is, you know, depending on the region that may require some testing, um, making sure that we figure out a way to test it. So, you know, that's still something that we have to develop and that's still something that we're working with manufacturers on because no one's ever made anything like this, right? Like yeah. there's standards for helmets, uh, but people wear turbines in different ways. Um, and there's, it's so radically different from how road testing is normally done and what road testing material and products are that they essentially have to create their own version of testing for it. With any project like this, obviously the, you know, there's a, there would be a lot of people involved. Do you want to talk about who else was involved in helping this come to life? Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the, the big, uh, collaborations that we had at Zulu was with Sparks Innovation. Um, you know, I have no idea how to design products. Uh, and my partners don't know how to design products, so we need somebody who could help make prototypes, who could help develop this um, and start bringing in some insights. So Spark Innovations is a product design firm also based out of uh, Toronto. And um, we worked with them as well as, uh, as I mentioned before, like members of the, the Sikh motorcycle community together, uh, which to me was severely important when you're doing these types of design projects is to actually have a member of the community there um, just to make sure everything is um, to the standards of which, you know, we're trying to represent. Yeah. And were they kind of, uh, were they excited by it? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think anybody who you tell the idea to is like, we want to make this thing. And, you know, the purpose of it really is to see some representation, uh, some of which I've never you know, growing up uh, with Sikh background, really didn't see too much representation, especially within the motorcycle community, uh, for people who happen to look like me. Uh, so the fact that, you know, this was an opportunity for them to be on that stage and for them to really celebrate what the turban is um, yeah. was super exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of, it's, it's super cool. I mean, how, how did Harley Davidson respond to it as well? Yeah, you know, it's a, uh, you don't know, because it's like, you have these babies, you have these ideas, and you're like, I hope they like it. And I hope, uh, <laughs> you know, I hope they see it for what it is. And they absolutely did, which was which was quite the blessing is like, they really saw it for like the powerful statement that it was. Yeah. And, and I presume this is a, is a big market in India for this, is it? This is a, there's a, when we released it there, we found out there's a big market around the world for it. There is definitely one in India for it. Yeah. And one of the things is that we're talking to uh, a large manufacturer in India about bringing it there. Um, but really, you know, Australia has one of the largest uh, Indian populations outside of India as well. So wow. it's a, there's a big market for it, uh, as, as well as Canada, obviously, uh, and the UK. So one of the things yeah. that was really interesting was that, you know, uh, the UK is actually re-examining its helmet exemption laws uh, because of the popularity of the tough turbine. Wow, that is so cool. Well yeah, done. Yeah, real, real meaningful impact. Yeah, and is, it, is, it, is this, have you done many projects like this where you've instigated an idea? Because a lot of agencies obviously respond to a client's brief. And perhaps, right. I guess, Harley Davidson is, is that one of your clients, the they gave you the brief, but with no idea of what you guys were going to come up with. You know, really cool to see that idea really resonate with people like that. It must be. It, re it really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally different. It's totally outside the box. 
And it's something that, you know, I think the market is looking more and more for is just not just uh, marketing to a community and not just marketing to certain demographics, but really providing like solutions and providing innovation uh, towards these uh, different communities. I think a lot of DNAD Impact Awards, um, and I've, I've judged it a few times over the years, which has been really, really cool, is kind of understanding, you know, a project, is this a project that actually has been activated? Is this a real mm. project? Because, you know, you can win an award based on an incredible idea that just is at that moment in time, it's just the beginning of uh, implementing it or bring it to life in the world. And I guess it's kind of, has, has your project kind of got beyond this kind of initial, initial kind of idea uh, and into and into production. Yeah, that's a good question. So we are working with manufacturers for like widespread production. It really depends. You know, we're talking to different manufacturers uh, around the world because you know these change these things change from region to region, from uh, country to country. One of the big things for me was making it open source. So we took all our because we do have the prototypes. We do have all the elements to make the tough turbine. Um, and the big thing for me was just to create a website where you can actually open source and download the designs and download all the elements from uh, the product design to make uh, have it yourself. Uh, so in that sense, you know, it's been downloaded, I think, thousands upon thousands of times. I think over twenty three hundred times from around the world that people are actually looking to like make make the stuff to make, to uh, download the particular designs that we have. So, and that was a big thing. Uh, just the open sourceness was was huge for me because it was based off of um, something I read about Volvo. So Volvo, when they created the three point seatbelt, um, they had the patent for it, and rather than keeping the patent, they opened the patent to everybody, mm. so that other car manufacturers can create the three point seatbelt uh, just for the betterment of everyone. And that was a huge thing for us. Was just you know a lot of people came to us and was like, you should guys should go to venture capitalists. You guys should hoard the money, yeah. and for us, it was definitely the ability. To like, no, this is this is a big thing for the community. Let's open source it. Yeah. What happens if someone who's downloaded that that open source then commercializes it? Does that is that kind of frustrating for you, or is that okay? Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know we've. I think there's some legal that goes with that in terms of who can commercialize it and who can't, because we do want to create uh, quality control over this stuff. So I think we, we have talked to uh, council in terms of making sure that not any Joe Blow is using the term tough, tur tough turbine and kind of running with it. I just love it and uh, very, it's so clever. In fact, it's the, it's the uh, I, there's a lot of great entries um, uh, this year, but it's the one that really stood up for me to be, uh, you know, such a simple idea that may, could just make such a phenomenal difference to, you know, people's lives not just for their pleasure, um, but also for their safety. And I think that's just absolutely brilliant. Are you going to retire now? Is that it? Or <laughs> you got more ideas <laughs> that you're going to work on? Uh, yeah, I was looking to retire well before even project. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, you're probably only like 30 or something. <laughs> um, um, but is it, does, 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 does other projects now kind of, are they projects you're working on now as, as exciting as this? We're trying to get there. I mean, like, I think this really opened up this project and like, you know, having it get a pencil and having it do well internationally and the press has gone internationally. I think yeah. it's opened up a lot of eyes to what type of design can be 
uh, implemented within certain communities and the idea of reevaluating what product design really is. Um, so that's the real exciting thing. I'm excited to see not only what we come up with, but like what other um, design firms and what other agencies come up with in the next few years uh, because it's, it's done well. Yeah, it's been interesting talking to a few people over the years on, on the Impact Awards, the ones that have got through and won, um, how it's actually changed their career or their outlook on, on projects and certainly those proactive projects versus reactive to a client brief um, mm -hmm. that actually, you know what, design is super powerful and design has the potential to design, you have the potential to design a better world and improve things, uh, not just commercially, but for the betterment of the world, uh, whether that's sustainability or fixing things that should have been done a long, long time ago. Um, is that something that your business focuses on as well, kind of more broadly? Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, the one of the core principles was that like design and creativity can really change the world. And that's, that's why um, Zach Morway, who starred the agency, uh, started it. It was the idea that like creativity can be at the forefront and can be center place for a lot of social and impact change. Yeah, no, we're we're very much on board with that too. We're, we're our kind of purpose is designing a better world, and we're a B Corp as well, which is uh, we're passionate about. Um, and it's really cool to see so many um, organizations uh, coming through that are that actually just you know realizing the power of ideas and actually. Um, you know, finding a way to bring those ideas to life. And uh, how, how did you get into design in the first place? I presume that's what you're, you studied, is it? Uh, I studied art direction. So uh, kind of the more advertising side of it. Uh, okay. Initially in school, I'd say like even back in high school, um, that wasn't the, the thought of mine. I, you know, I had a, a bit of fine art ability, but really I was going to go into journalism. And I had one course in all my, you know, colleges and universities in Canada were all geared towards journalism. Um, yeah. And then I saw a, a terrible Mel Gibson movie that has not aged well uh, called What Women <laughs> Want. I don't know if you've oh. seen it. Um, but What Women Want was the movie I saw in class. They were kind of just throwing it in, you know, how classes do when it's like a summer, towards the summer, and they're just like, yeah, we'll throw a movie on. And I saw that movie, <laughs> and he works at an ad agency. And I thought, yeah. that seems cool. So on a whim, I completely changed all my uh, majors going into college into uh, advertising and art direction. And so that's why uh, it's, it's a weird way to get into it. But uh, it's, uh, it was definitely a, on a whim of that. And so I've been doing art direction and um, design for the vast majority of my career. Wow, thank you, Mel Gibson. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> to an extent. Uh, I've got to go watch that now. I'm going to watch it this weekend to remind myself what that was about. Um, but that's that's really really cool. And um, the agency. So so where did you go from there? Did you did you work your way up within other agencies in in Toronto? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely worked at like uh, different types of agencies, uh, large and small. I've kind of ran the gamut, uh, both in Toronto and. Um, in Vancouver, actually, as well, mm -hmm. uh, that you're familiar with. So, um, and then I excel back in Toronto and really um, feel like I found my place here, uh, working closely with the founders and the presidents and everyone here uh, who really, like, the, 
the spirit of innovation is really what attracted me coming back to Zulu Alpha Kilo. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do you want to give a shout out to any particular people in the team that uh, were part of the part of this, bring this idea to life, or endorsing it? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Obviously, um, you know the founder who we kind of brought the idea to Zach Morway uh, was really instrumental in making it happen. Um, and obviously, my partner uh, Dan Cummings, who's not on the podcast, but I'm representing. Um, yeah. We uh, we worked on it. Uh, pretty intensely together, and he was a tremendous, tremendous part of the team to make it happen. Um, and our, you never see this, but like the president of the company, who was uh, in the forefront of being the biggest cheerleader for it, uh, he would really wanted to see it happen when we like, told him about it. And he's like, okay, we got, we got to make this happen, which, uh, you know, you never see that with like presidents and the, the higher up execs at different agencies and different companies being like, yes, yes, I'm excited about this idea. And yeah. uh, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't just me coming up with it. It was the entire like we had a huge design department, and we had a lot of accounts and studio and stuff that really went into making this thing. Because again, it was several months of uh, a lot of testing. Yeah, amazing. And what does your dad think of it? Your family? Yeah, he's over the food about it. Definitely, um, he's he's really excited to see it happen. He's a you know, and we had people within uh, the video, like the members of the Seek Motorcycle community who are kind of talking. We, we released a video uh, with them talking about like what it meant for them and yeah, their ideas behind it. And you know, they're over the moon about the fact that it's been picked up internationally and you have, they have relatives who are talking to them about like, I saw the video and I saw you guys on it. So uh, <laughs> you know, even that kind of stuff is, is really charming and nice to hear. And so are there any of these like prototypes that are out there being used at the moment? We've sent, so we've created a, quite a few prototypes and we've sent it off to manufacturers. Um, and that was the big thing for us was just like, how do we get into different markets? Because for us, you know, you can't have a blanket piece of design or a piece of product innovation because it, you know, the rules in Australia are different from the rules in Canada and it changes from country to yeah. country and region to region. So for us, we wanted to partner with manufacturers in the different regions to make sure that we can make uh, a version that's right for what they're trying to, or version that's right for their country or region. Um, that was the important thing was that we created the Tough Turbine to be pretty malleable. So it, it, it's uh, an idea that can kind of shift depending on where you're from. Yeah. Do you wear a turbine? I don't, no, I don't I wear a right. turbine. I don't ride a motorcycle. So, I was gonna say, like, do you, uh, does this, does this entice you to want to ride a bike now? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that like the the crew at Harley Davidson have been so open and so uh, accepting of this idea, it totally, it changed my view as well. Working on it of what a Harley rider is, um, but the big thing for me was, you know, you don't have to do, uh, you don't have to directly benefit from doing design work that benefits others. And that was a, a super important part for anyone who was involved. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of generosity through that thought, isn't there, in terms of, like, you're giving something, you're making a difference. It's like it's doing something for good, not for just commercial benefit. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's really changed the opinion of a lot of people who saw Harley Davidson one way and now view it a, a different way. 
I mean, I, go, I guess like it's applicable to any any motorcycle. I know you're plugging Harley Davidson, but <laughs> I do like a Harley. Yeah. Uh, I personally ride a BMW. Um, I just that that feeling of, and as I said, I kind of used to do a lot of kind of motocross riding when I was a kid. But uh, that feeling of riding on a road, it's it's kind of I always kind of get into a really kind of meditative state, and it's, I find it a really great way to unwind. I know it probably sounds slightly dangerous. But the, the feeling of that concentrating on riding a bike, it's just, it takes all your thoughts away from everything else, which I find, for me, v- very good for my own well-being. Obviously, there's a safety aspect to it as well, which, uh, uh, you know, your, your safety is, imp- is important as well. So, um, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I encourage you uh, to ride a bike. Yes, yeah. What you're saying is uh, it's very common from everyone we've talked to. It's very... Uh, it's, there's an ethereal aspect to it. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, what other types of projects are you working on? Uh, we, we have a lot of different types of clients. So um, myself and the agency kind of do, we run the gamut. We do everything. We do digital. We do television. We do innovative products like this. We do, you know, we're getting into the metaverse. Um, there's, there's really no boundaries in terms of what type of ideas we kind of come up with nowadays. Do, how does it work in, can you talked about kind of obviously, you know, focusing on clients, uh, client projects that are going to add more positive benefit, benefit to the world. Mm. Um, what's your filter then on projects coming into the agency? How do you know when to say no? Because, I mean, that's just something that we look at too, going like, well, actually that project isn't applicable. That doesn't kind of share, fit in with our values, etc. Do you guys have a, like a, an approach to kind of making sure that you don't take on projects which are hypocritical to what you just said before? Yeah, I think that really starts from, you know, the basis of an agency and the type of clients that an agency will have partnerships with. We're lucky that we uh, we don't think we've ever encountered that kind of thing where we've been morally in a compromising position because, you know, we choose the right clients who want to work with us and yeah. Um, you know, where we filter out the ones that we don't feel are in line with our values. Yeah. Good response. Um, it, 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 I guess it, at times it's kind of, it can be, I mean, we've had ammunition companies and, and all kinds of companies come to us in the past that we've had to kind of turn down. Sure. Um, and often it's been, for a lot of, pe- a lot of people, a lot of um, agencies, it's going to be quite a hard decision because of sometimes, you know, revenue is what you know you do need money to make the business work so um, a lot of people do take on projects that are uh, less desirable for the world but good financially um, do, you th- do you think in terms of how your agency was set up in the first place is what kind of attracts the right clients to you uh, um, from the outset yeah absolutely yeah yeah I don't think we'd ever work on like an ammunitions type of company uh, just because it doesn't follow the values and it doesn't follow you you know, that core belief that creativity changed the world. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the belief that we just want to make the world better through our ideas um, yeah. really, really um, makes us particular to the clients that we have. Yeah. And so has this now kind of uh, bolstered you guys' focus on next year's DNAD, uh, another, another project, another idea that's going to, um, you know, win another award? I think we've always been that way, yeah, especially with DNAD. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the hardest, if not the hardest, um, thing to win is a pencil for DNAD. So it's always been a goal of ours, and I don't think it's going to let up now. 
uh, especially given our success. Yeah, that's sweet. And and um, in terms of DNAD, because obviously it was originated from the UK uh, as one of the world's kind of first uh, awards uh, organization uh, scheme. Um, what does DNAD mean for you in, in kind of the global kind of, I guess, recognition in the market? Uh, yeah, well, you always hear about like an actor's actor or a comedian's comedian. I think the DNAD is really meant for like a designer's designer. It's uh, the, the pinnacle of, I think, what real design, graphic or marketing or however design's integrated. To me, that's always been, it's always been the, the tops. And, uh, you know, it's a real mark of um, true creativity to, to get one. Yeah, yeah, cool. And what do you do about um, your agency do in terms of kind of young talent coming through? Do you do internships? Do you do... You know, what do you do to kind of help grow and contribute to the, 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 the betterment of um, the design world? Yeah, yeah. So um, we, we have uh, different uh, programs set up. Uh, Zach has, you know, he's a, a person of color himself, and he wanted, thought it was very important to create um, uh, an opportunity for minorities coming into the industry. So he set up a scholarship uh, for minorities who are just entering uh, the design field and the advertising field and the copywriting field uh, to come into the agency, as well as the fact that we don't do like um, free internships. I know there's there's agencies from around the world who do internships that are um, without any kind of salary, and it was a big thing from the offset to like we're not going to be that type of place. We'll always offer an employeeship, is uh, how we refer to it. Um, so essentially, you're you're an employee if you're you're an intern. And if you, how, how many, do you have interns that kind of come into this, into that and then end up staying in a, a full-time role? Yeah, all the time, all the time. Okay, cool. What's the scale of your agency? Um, I couldn't tell you the exact numbers, but, um, you know, we're an independent agency. We're growing. Um, we're, I'd say we're about a uh, medium-sized independent agency um, who've, you know, we're, We've just opened up in the last year or so uh, an office in Vancouver. We're based out of Toronto, obviously, and uh, just recently um, we are opening office in New York with um, the CCO of Droga Five New York uh, coming over. So that's exciting times wow. for us to just be, um, you know, attracting great talent and growing the agency in, in different ways. Yeah, that's really cool. And how, how have you guys uh, navigated COVID in uh, in Toronto and through all of this? Yeah, well, Toronto was, I think, one of the longest lockdowns, I believe, in the world. So, you know, a lot of us were in our homes. Um, but surprisingly, uh, you know, all of us thought it would be weird, especially if you work in a design studio or you work in an ad agency, that feeling of going in and seeing other people and that, that buzz. Um, we've adapted surprisingly well to it, I must say. Uh, we work uh, on Teams, which is like Microsoft Teams, essentially the same thing yeah. as like a, a Zooms or uh, a Slack or something. Um, and we, we're basically uh, virtual for the most part. We've, trans we've moved from a, an office to a, a different office to allow um, people to come in if they're feeling like they want to come into the office. Uh, on their own time or, you know, by their own volition to kind of work if they want to 
if they want to just have that ability to get out of the house. So it's, um, it's kind of like a hybrid model at this point, which I think works really well for, you know, I enjoy working from home. I think my, my partner, Dan, enjoys working from home. Um, but some people really enjoy having an office, so we provided both options. Yeah, that's really interesting. Ha has it affected the, the creativity in any way, in, in a positive or a negative way? Like uh, coming to the, the kind of the virtualness of it? I mean, obviously, we've, we're about 45 people ourselves in Sydney, mm -hmm. and um, it kind of, uh, we're, at, we're a mixture of people coming in and out of, of, the, of the business. COVID still, yeah, there's, a, there's another spike again that's happening. There's like 2,000 yeah. people in hospitals here in New South Wales again. So it's probably probably a smaller number than it would be where you guys are. But I, I guess it's kind of this, this hybrid flexible working is probably something that's going to stay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's, I don't know if it's better or worse, but it's different. And I think, uh, you know, that quick adaptation has made me pretty familiar with it and work within it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't say it's... Uh, it's it's totally dependent on the person to person. Uh, I, I think uh, getting used to a different model, pretty quickly was pretty advantageous for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I always ask this question uh, at the end of the podcast. And um, have you designed your life? Have I designed my life? Uh, a simple answer would be yes. Yes, I have absolutely. Okay. Is there it's not very convincing? <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm not in a sales pitch right now, but <laughs> uh, no. But it's in terms of kind of the the life that you're living now. Um, did, is this something that you kind of planned? Is it something that you kind of just a lot? Some people just say, "Oh, their life just kind of happens," and other people go, "You know what? I actually designed. I designed the life that I want. Or I'm living the life, and it's not perfect by any means. But I'm focusing on. Uh, I have a plan of how to kind of make it better." Yeah, I mean, like, look, there's always stuff that you're going to strive for. There's always uh, things that you're, these goals that you want to reach. Um, I think the big thing for me personally is, like, not make, making sure that there is room, to that life can be unexpected. Um, but, you know, making a, a malleable design of your life, I think, is the way to go. Yeah, lovely. Um, just one more thing, just for the listeners, the DNA D listeners, how, and, and young kind of designers out there, just say something about what you believe in terms of uh, the responsibility, the impact designers have, or the opportunity they have, you know, create a better world. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point we're in, where we can start using our own personal backgrounds, and you know, one of the big things that I've enjoyed while working at Zulu is that it's the ability to hire diverse staff creates diverse ideas and I think we're getting to a point where we're getting more open to the diverse ideas that different staff can bring. Um, so I would say, you know, don't fear your background, don't fear your experiences, don't fear the type of person you are and bring that because that's an asset now and bring that into your design and bring that into the type of work you're creating and how you're thinking of ideas because the, it's not just to you. It's it's going to appeal to somebody else as well. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, Vic, thank you so much. It's been really cool to catch up with you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been great talking to you as well. Okay, cool. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening in to today's episode of Designing for Impact in collaboration with DNAD. For more information on the multi-pencil winning project, Tough Turban, head to their website at toughturban.com.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Life. If you'd like to find out more about how you can design your life, head to the website at designyourlife.com.au. If you found this episode inspiring, please don't forget to review and subscribe. If you have any ideas or like to get in touch, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at frostcollective.com.au.